Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and today in the show, we've got... <laughs> um, uh, on the show today, we've got uh, fellow podcasters, hosts of uh, the show, Time to Adapt. You can find it on the Zima Podcasting Network everywhere, um, where they talk about um, good and bad film adaptations from everything from... The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, to Chronicles of Narnia, to Jurassic Park. They've talked about a lot of different movies. We've got Max Schaefer and Selena Allen on the show today. Hello. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. how, uh, how are you guys' days going so far? So far, pretty good. I've had a late day, so this is kind of like the beginning of it. Yeah. When did you get up? I got up at 10, but I really didn't get out of bed till like 11, because I have to set... I'm a slow riser, so I have to set like my timer like an hour or two hours before I actually want to get up right. so that I can just lay there and just yep. stew and yeah. just feel like, are we doing this today? Well, yes. you yeah, you kind of have to like, um, your mind, it, it, your mind does not wake up instantaneously at all. You need to yeah. like kind of settle into it, you know, lay there for like half an hour, like yeah. half asleep, half not until you like fully wake up and then you're like, okay, like get my fucking shit together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mac, how's your day going? It's all right. I spent most of the morning unpacking because I just moved to a new place. <clears throat> and um, I watched part of the Women's World Cup. So uh -huh. that was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, how, uh, who was playing today? Today was Spain against South Africa. And that's why I woke up to watch the end of that. And I think right now it's... Nigeria's playing. Oh, so. Didn't you say like Norway? Norway and Nigeria, that's it, yeah. yeah. Um, of course, I'm rooting for America because we're, we're the fucking best. And, uh, <laughs> we're the fucking best when it comes to, uh, women's, to women's soccer. Yeah. Um, they're scary. Also, they're very terrible. They're very scary. <laughs> but Charlie Lloyd is also amazing. Yeah. I feel that. And um, other than that, I would. I would root for France, so. Gotcha. Well, um, I'm uh, looking forward to our show today because I remember, um, I remember like after I did my episode with uh, James, Eddie, and Graham way back when, I saw you at Bremen like a couple days later, and you were like, so Ben, when are we doing this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we just proceeded to take some... Uh, some selfies, and then uh, that was that. But, oh, yeah, my legendary that like selfies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a trademark of yours, huh? Yep, something like that. Do you ever need to track Mac down? Just go through his Instagram to see where his <laughs> where he's been through via his selfies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's ideal. Um, yeah, so um, I was uh, excited because I like talking to fellow podcasters a lot. Um, I just think it's, uh, you know, it's cool to... Um, uh, have like sort of that bond of like, mm -hmm. you know, you guys are bringing like uh, a thematic idea or concept to, you know, such a um, personable and accessible format. Um, so to start, so like, so in Mr. Nice Guy, we talk about love and fear and how that manifests in our creative, um, creative outputs and just kind of how those driving forces inspire, to, inspire mm -hmm. you to do what you do. So um, so both of you are film, you're graduated and you have a semester left in film. Yep. Um, congrats on graduating, Mac. Thank you. I probably said that to you like months ago, but I'm saying it to you again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, to start, 
um, so what made and and you guys talk about film on your show too. So I guess like we'll start yeah, with we're we're filmmakers. We kind of have to. Yeah, <laughs> it's weirdly like a requirement. Yeah. So where did you guys like um, really start? Um, sort of just finding like a, a a sheer fascination with like the the with film and with um, motion pictures and just where do you really start like identifying with it a lot? Um. I guess I'll go first. Uh, I've always loved storytelling. Um, I just, I kind of found my way to film, like in high school, I believe it was. Because uh, before then, in my mind, like when I looked in the future as to like what I'd want to be, I was like some sort of storyteller or somebody that has access to storytelling. For a mm. while, I was like a librarian because yeah. I love books. And then I was like, my mom got her master's in library science and I saw what she was doing. I'm like, that's not for me. <laughs> I'm like, I appreciate hey, what she having does. Having fun isn't hard <laughs> when you've got a library. Card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I appreciate the library as like someone who goes and partakes. <laughs> but yeah. um, so then I was like, writer. And I was like, I don't really like writing. I'm dyslexic as hell and it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> So I I met um, in high school. I had a few friends who were also who were into filmmaking, and so we kind of that's what we did. Like as a, to be social was just make really shitty films. Um, <laughs> thankfully, they're all buried. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. But it was such a like I really loved the community aspect of it, and I was like, oh, this is a perfect avenue for me to tell stories. Um, and then alongside that, that's when I started getting into watching like the behind the scenes on like DVDs from the library. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is what I want to do with my life. Yeah. So that's kind of where I, where I was like, this is what, how I want to tell stories. Yeah, totally. Cause I mean, you'll really like dig up some really fascinating, uh, little tidbits from watching behind the scenes, or mm -hmm. even just when you go into the, the trivia tab on on IMDb, you yeah. can find out some really <laughs> yeah. interesting shit. Um, yeah. So, yeah. How about you, Mac? Well, I've I've suffered from ADHD a lot, for most of my life, so my head's always been up in the clouds. Um, and the one way that's been a lot easier to, that it's, it was easy for me to get to was through vi visual arts. So, like, um, <clears throat> ever since I was a kid, my favorite movie is Disney's Fantasia, okay. which is. A mixture of animation, color story, and classical music. And that's always been something that's kind of stuck in the back of my head. And as a kid, I just, I, I was the, I was the movie kid. I watched all, I watched ton, tons of movies, even movies I wasn't, wasn't, wasn't supposed to see. I would still sneak upstairs and watch. I snuck in to see Freddy vs. Jason when I was 11. That was like one of the coolest experiences ever. Damn. That's cute. Um, but it wasn't until like middle school when I kind of realized that I kind of want to do, I want to be the director because it was, there was like a couple of films that just sort of like stuck out to me and why, again, watching the behind the scenes stuff and seeing how it was all done, I thought was fascinating. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw the guy who was calling all the shots and saying what to do, who was storyboarding everything, I thought, you know, I want, that's what I think I, I, think I want to do that. Yeah. So. From there, I just watched way too much movies, and everyone, all other kids were like playing sports and going outside. I was in my room watching anything I could get my hands on. Yeah, so sure. Um, Director-wise, uh, where do you guys? Or like, I guess director or um, 
movie style or something like where do, like what do you guys feel film wise you take most inspiration from Ooh, uh, for me it's been like since the day I saw it uh, Pan's Labyrinth oh, yeah. uh, Gabriel Del Toro yeah. I love fairy tales like but especially dark fairy tales like I love the original Gr uh, Brothers Grimm stories <laughs> where like at the end they die in horrible ways and like yeah. fingers are being chopped off and so once I saw that movie I was like I, I love history too, so I'm like, it's a period piece yeah, with yeah. A, like a dark fairy tale, everything I want, so... <laughs> like, I imagine Princess Bride is biblical to you. Oh, I love Princess Bride <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. It's um, biblical to everyone. Yeah, yeah yes. I mean, <laughs> anybody who doesn't like movies, everybody loves Princess Bride. Right, right. who you are, you love Princess Bride. That's super true. I never actually even saw it until college. I Which never is, grew yeah. up with it. I didn't really grow up with it because I wasn't allowed to watch... TV or movies for the longest. Um, so I wasn't allowed to watch Harry Potter until I was 10, but then my brother got to watch it. He's younger than me, so I threw up a row because I was like, that's just fucking unfair. <laughs> I didn't wait until 10. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, so I didn't really see Princess Bride. I always saw like the, the rat swamp scene oh, um, when I was younger. Size. And then I was like, well, that's fucking terrifying. I'll never watch that again. And then I think in high school, that's when I first watched Princess Bride all the way through. Well, I remember like when I was, I think five, six, yeah, five. Um, that was when Sorcerer's Stone came out and I went to go see it with my parents um, when I was like five. And I remember like getting I remember that movie like kind of scared the shit out of me oh. when I was like five years old. Like, Was it the book scene? Uh, the or, book scene, or the or Voldemort in the back of the Voldemort scene. in the back of yeah. the head and a three-headed dog. Oh, oh yeah, Fluffy. Yeah, Fluffy. <laughs> Fluffy was kind of fucking terrifying. <laughs> um, yeah, there was just you know, it's uh, there's a reason why they put frightening images on the MPAA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but um, Mac, how about you? Uh, what did you like really like growing up film-wise? I mean, there was it's. It's kind of hard for me to like pinpoint exactly what I like because I like almost everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, I definitely though like t watching Tim Burton films when I was growing up mm -hmm. was something that had a lot of um, appeal to me. Yeah. Um, but then also like I was watching in high school I was watching a lot of silent movies by like Fritz Lang and uh, Carl Theodore Dreyer. Sure. Yeah. And. But it wasn't until like I saw stuff by by a Swedish filmmaker Igmar Bergman that kind of mm -hmm. really made me see that it make it put he put two things into film that I <clears throat> I love because I was raised by two stage actors or they're on the side they were stage actors and so like theater's always been a big part of my life and so has film and Igmar Bergman did a great job of like taking the stage and staging it on film mm -hmm. sure. and that that really kind of had a thing that made me feel good but also i mean crazy cult weird b movies oh, yeah. were just my <laughs> shit i'm starting to like dig deeper into some of those so uh, like i watched let's see when i was like nine i saw big trouble in little china for oh, the first yeah, time yeah. and i rented the tape so many times from my <laughs> library <laughs> That eventually the day came when my librarian was like, just take the damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes! Oh my god, it's cute. So, like, even though I have it on DVD, I have it on Blu-ray, and I just got a poster from my from my old from my friend from it, I still have that tape that's like, just, it's like, this is, I need this as mine. This yeah. Is, 
I'm not gonna never gonna park that. Screw excessive. Uh, like excessive watching rental. Yeah, yeah, excessive rental. <laughs> I um, yeah, like growing up, like I always kind of liked. I liked a lot of movies that like not a lot of people my age really knew about. Like, I remember like um, so I love Terry Gilliam. Like, yes, he's one of my all-time favorite filmmakers. And I mean, I'm my dad raised me on Monty Python, so like. I was watching, like, Time Bandits was, like, my favorite yeah. movie as a kid. Um, still is one of my favorites. Don't touch it. It's evil. You touch this thing. Mom. Dad. <laughs> yeah, it's... And then, like... Um, I don't know. I just thought it was super cool. Like, I, I think that um, just kind of, like, a lot of, like... Um, yeah, surrealism and fantasy is mm. really fascinating, especially when it's combined. So, like... Um, as I grew older, like, I started finding more fascination in, like, you know, surrealist, like, horror movies mm -hmm. and psychological thrillers and stuff like that, so, like, I'm a huge David Lynch guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, I ended up watching Twin Peaks, and it's the greatest. Talking to the right guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, I have yet to actually watch the last season. Um. Oh, third season? Yeah. Okay. I have it, so. I can oh. Borrow, let you borrow it. Sweet. <laughs> Good to know people. But yeah, I huge fan of just um the just sort of like the eeriness of like things not being what they seem mm -hmm. like from the surface level. Oh like, yeah. And that's just something that Lynch accomplished really well. Um I think my favorite of his Wild at Heart. That's probably, a great one. Yeah. Is Willem Dafoe. Is this, oh, he's, he's so crazy. He's a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> he actually went to UWM for a year and a half. A lot of yep. people don't know that. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's like the, the one thing of, um, they tell the like like film theater people just like, yeah, remember Will Will, like yeah. William Defoe came here. You should come and join our program. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's for, they suck you in <laughs> for like for like stage and acting. That's Willem Defoe. If you're a filmmaker, oh, it's, it's either it's it's either Mark Borchardt, yeah, or it's the guy who was in charge of the visual effects department for uh, Weta during Return of the King. Oh, got an Oscar for it. Oh, oh shit! No way. I did not know that Damn, one. Damn, that. Well, yeah, I probably like, wasn't listening. There's to one part of visual effects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So. Yeah, and like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that um, I think that just film is just such a fascinating medium because it really like like you said like storytelling is just such a there's just such a versatile component of it where like you know. The story can literally go anywhere with the director's vision. Yeah. Where did the, this film fascination? Um, what did you guys like think about like taking it to a, a podcast format? Um, really, from like my end, I, I've always I started getting into podcasts not too like probably like three years ago at mo uh, with just like more like the true crime podcasts mm -hmm. like that kind of. Or I'm like, I want to know everything about serial codes because it's yeah. fascinating and like it's disturbing, but it's interesting how people get that way. It's become a bit of a personality trait these days. It's a yeah. little weird the that serial it's... You see it on Tinder and Bumble. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh my <laughs> I want to start a podcast about Jeffrey Dahmer and like, dude. There's like fifty. He literally, yeah, <laughs> and he literally like murdered innocent people. Yeah. Okay, like, I'm like, okay, I'm probably. <laughs> After listening to a bunch of true crime podcasts, I have a little bit of sympathy for Jeffrey Dahmer. Hear me out. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we welcome hot takes and <laughs> This is a guy who he he was gay. Yeah. And he 
was like raised among people who were afraid, who were homophobes, and he used all of that like fear. He, he moved all that fear and like self hatred because he he was he knew he was gay, but he didn't want to be gay, and he moved that all into you know killing people and like for him it wasn't about the killing. He didn't like the killing part, which is I think very fascinating. Like. He, that's the least thing that of all the things that's the one thing he didn't like to do the most and it was all the other things that he would do that he got more of a fat more of a pleasure and satisfaction out of it's a creepy fuck yeah it is yeah but this guy could have been a all of almost all of his problems could have been solved you know if he had gotten the right help at the right time if his parents paid more attention to him if the, all of his high school friends paid more attention yeah. to him he probably he might have been a regular person. Right. Maybe. 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 But, like, I mean, and that speaks to how, like, how dangerous and powerful neglect can be. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, that can really... It can fuck it, you it, up. it can just make you become such a deviant mm -hmm. because you're not properly socialized. Um, and he was also, like, schizotypal, and he had, like, all kinds of yeah. wild shit going on in his head outside of all that. But... Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, so. <laughs> basically that was that was like my because uh, friends of mine had suggested like true crime podcast to me or like the no sleep podcast and then Mac came up to me one day and he's like, hey, do you want to start a podcast? Mm. And I was like, sure, it'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's usually like whenever Mac suggests things, I'm like, yeah, it'll right. be fun. Why not? So that's kind of how I fell into it. And then when we talked about it, I was. Um, I can't remember the conversation really, but it was like, uh, it's like, yeah, it'll be about film, but what, like, what different take are we going to talk about with film? And I was, I like back and forth. We're like, well, we fucking love books and we love adaptations. We love talk, like, that's kind of what we talk about, uh, especially when it comes to like Shakespeare, because yeah. we're big Shakespeare nerds. Sure. Yeah. So then we kind of fell into, hey, let's talk about adaptations and what makes them work and like. What doesn't work about them? Like which books should not be added? Like have adaptations? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, which ones were able to? You were able to accomplish the impossible by like yeah. make, filming the unfilmable. Sure. Yeah. Which ones were? Like which which ones were just utter dog shit and like yeah. were made by people who had never read the book or had no idea yeah. what they were doing? Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> um. You see that a lot right now with like video game movies, where mm -hmm. oh, yeah. almost all of them. Well, you're starting to see them more get get slightly better every time because more and more the people who are in in charge of the production are people who like understand the source material, and they're not just people who are like, oh, let's let's just make an Assassin's Creed movie, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. or let's make Street Fighter the movie <laughs> with Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> <laughs> The only video game movie I ever actually watched was the first Mortal Kombat movie. That one's pretty good. <laughs> I as far that. as video game movies. As though. far as video game movies, which isn't saying a lot, it's yeah. it's fun. It's not aged well visually. No. They're, they're awful. <laughs> yeah. But I love Christopher Lambert as Raiden. Yeah, <laughs> great. yeah, I know. Yeah. Coming from a huge Highlander fan, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So... What have you learned about, like, in doing this show and doing your own research on your subjects in the show? What have, have you guys learned about, like, um, specifically, like, book-to-movie adaptations and the way you guys perceive them and everything? I've learned that 
a lot I have a lot more respect for artists who try to make something new out of the source material instead of just trying to do a page by page adaptation those one the, there are times when like you can do that and there are certain things that they're when they're on in a book it makes perfect sense but in a movie it does not work at all like for example uh you ever heard of dreamcatcher I've heard of it it's based off of a stephen king book okay and by all means it is a it is a perfect adaptation of a stephen king book but it doesn't work as a movie because so many things are easily there you you read it as a book like okay that makes sense but when there's a visual to it it's like oh god the demons that come out of your asshole oh. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah some there's some weird ass shit and morgan well, freeman's stephen. eyebrows <laughs> stephen king there's always yeah. some weird ass shit there's always weird ass shit in stephen king stuff um sure. and so so the ones where they take that step book and they're they make it their own even if it's not that great, I have a lot more like I have a lot more respect for that. Sure. So like if Kenneth Branagh does a Shakespeare adaptation, you know, he'll do like Hamlet, where he takes it from the 50, from the 1600s and then puts it in like 19th century Denmark. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That works. Yeah. But what doesn't work is trying to make it into a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers musical in the 30s. Oh, God, yeah. that, was, that was horrific. That was painful. It was so Kenneth, painful. Kenneth, I love you, but what the fuck? <laughs> I, I started watching them, like, to I went in blind. We're talking was, about Love's Labor's Lost, by the way. Yeah, so I went in blind because I was like, I love Kenneth Branagh. Like, I love his adaptations. Like, Much Ado About Nothing, that was my shit. I mm. love him in it. Um, I so love those jackets. <laughs> Denzel. Ugh, uh, Denzel. Anyways. <laughs> but, yeah, so I went in blind and I was like, oh, it's set in the 20s, 30s. That's interesting. They're singing? Hmm. Like, I get Shakespeare put in songs, but it, but they're like... No, they're doing like... They're doing like covers. and it's Of like 20s and 30s songs. And it, it oh, clashes. Nice. And oh, the yeah. guy who plays Shaggy's in it, so all I oh, yeah, saw Matthew was Willard. Shaggy. Oh, <laughs> Not even Shaggy's powers could fix that movie. Yeah, so I guess I've learned like along the, kind of the same lines as what Mac was saying, but also just if you adapt a book, like you have to take so much care in the all aspects of the filmmaking like the art production and the casting because if the casting is wrong then you can't get past that like you can't yeah if you if you've read the book or the graphic novel or whatever it is and you're watching it you're like that person looks completely different or that doesn't right. have that person doesn't have any characteristics of the character yeah. you can't get past that well kind of like uh it's sort of like when people say like you know a space is nothing without the people in it you know, like, yeah. th like you know, here, for example, it's like we have this studio with all this, like, you know, um, steady-of-the-art equipment and everything, but it's useless unless the right people are there that know how to use it and yeah. can effectively run a, a business out of it. But if you have a bunch of people that are, you're like, you found off the street and told them to <laughs> assemble, yeah. you're not going to know what the fuck to do and it'll become a clusterfuck, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't, uh, for, like... The Golden Compass, like I loved, I loved it until the end. Like I remember watching it in theaters and being like, oh, the casting, I love it, I love the look. And then just also, 
you have to know if you're not going to end it like the book you have to come up with a better ending than just end it like so it's it's definitely i've realized it's more of a minefield than i thought going into it because mm. before i was like why don't you just do it like the book when in fact you can't always do that because yeah like to end it like the book that would have meant that they would have to guarantee a sequel and because sure. it fucking bombed <laughs> they didn't yeah. get a sequel <laughs> so well, yeah. and, that, and that goes back to what you were saying about like certain things just can't be like visually adapted in a way that like does justice to how it's told in a book Otherwise, it just comes off as very off-putting. Um, probably one of the most unforgivable adaptations I can think of is uh, Aragon. <laughs> I literally probably like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But I love I, back when I used to read books when I was younger. Like Aragon was like my favorite book too. Yeah. Yeah, and then the the writer shot himself in the foot by saying, "Oh, I think it was a fine adaptation." And well, the fans. It were was like, like you're what? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I I remember. Granted, seeing... he was like nineteen. So what did he, he was like sixteen when when it was published? Yeah. Yeah. Like well, like when the, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about the movie. Like uh, he was probably, he was probably what, like nineteen or twenty. Yeah, I'm like you. You're like a tiny. You know what do you know? Yeah. That's true. <laughs> um, I remember. You have so much growth to happen. You know. <laughs> I remember seeing that movie in theaters. And I just remember that, like, we got, like, a discount on the discount because there was, like, a tear on the on the negative of the film. So we I saw it for, like, a dollar. The, the entire time watching it, there was this line that was just through the middle of the screen. And I remember just staring, finding the middle of that line more interesting than what was going on on the screen. Ooh, one adaptation that... Pissed me the fuck off, but more than um, (laughs) more than uh, the Golden Compass, Percy Jackson and Lightning. Mm. Okay, I loved those books. It's so it's uh, it's about this boy who is uh, a demigod. His dad is Poseidon. And it's all about like Greek mythology, but in like the modern day, and like their offspring. He think they think he's dyslexic, but in fact, no, he's just he's reading everything in Greek. Oh, yeah, no, which is not how dyslexia works. Like that's one thing that pissed me off about the movie. They're like dyslexia is like letters moving physically on. The, and it's like it's for someone maybe, but like how how I've oh, always I, I was yeah. like. Yes, like when I first learned, was starting to learn to read, it was like letter, I would, couldn't remember which letter would face which direction, like so P's, I would write backwards and stuff like that. And it's just like, I found it easier to memorize words rather than actually learn how to spell them. So it's more of just like processing. Mm -hmm. But so that pissed me off on a like, that just, yeah. But also it's the casting is egregious. And <laughs> everything about it is just horrific. I Even was, Sean Bean as Zeus? No, Sean Bean as Zeus was good, but how they portrayed Hades was just disgusting. Oh, yeah, Steve Coogan. Which I would have been <laughs> fine with the casting of that, but just like how they portrayed him. Like, he's supposed to be like dark and gloomy and scary in the book, and he's just it's like. Steve Coogan. <laughs> it's Steve Coogan wearing like super tight leather pants, being like. <laughs> Remember when Steve Coogan got blown up by a mine in Tropic Thunder? Yeah! That's the best scene in that whole movie. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, I I was just so mad that I was with a friend and we were so pissed that we kept talking like shit about the movie the whole time and this poor kid next to us was like clutching onto the table, like onto the armrest with like white knuckling it, like Mm -hmm. so mad but wouldn't say anything and I was just like, 
if you read the book, you would be just as pissed. Like, Ooh. Annabeth doesn't look like she's, she's supposed to be 12. Why does she look like she's 30? Like, <laughs> so do you, so as people that like gener generally read a lot of books and then watch the movie and, you know, mm -hmm. make your uh, assessments from there, do you like, um, do you like, do you kind of like get annoyed when people like don't read the book but watch the movie and then or, and make? Um, it doesn't really bug me. No, um, not me either. Yeah, like because I know this is, this is people that are like, oh well, the book like is completely different, and then yeah. like I, I find those people to be really insufferable, to be honest. Pretentious. Um, yeah, it's it, I think it's just plain ass rude. Like just let somebody enjoy like. So what if they watched all the Harry Potter movies first before reading the books? Like, yeah. like not everyone is going to have the same experience as you. Let them right. just like enjoy the films. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> without reading the book, you enjoy a movie a little bit more. Yeah. Because I like, for example, like I know like one of my favorite books is Frank Herbert's Dune. Okay. Oh, and yeah, there's the yeah. David Lynch mm -hmm. version of Dune, which I'm okay with. <laughs> if, if, you, if you put aside the book, you know, and you watch the movie, like, all right, this is fine. But you know, if you read the book, you're like, oh god. Yeah. But I'm able to like, I'm able to like cut that that like tether, cut that tether in half, so I don't have to think about that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, it's it's. I even think like when it comes to like Game of Thrones, yeah. I'm like, I know for a fact over a good seventy percent of the people who watch the show never read the books. Right. Yeah. I, I, I understand. The books are the <laughs> yeah. books are they're intense, and I like. No, I can understand how like somebody can can like spend their entire a good good fraction of their life reading those books and being really into them. And I'm like, I have a lot of respect for that. Cause I own the books too, and I've tried to pick them up and try reading them multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're hefty. They're right? hefty. Yeah. They go super into detail, and I can understand how that can kind of turn certain people off. They just want to see something on the screen. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't. So like the people who like go out of their way to be kind of buttered about that stuff, those are the people I'm like, go away. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 go fuck yeah. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, so when it comes back to like your guys' show, um, so how, like, um, I guess like internally, like, um, have you guys like, like, uh, I, I mean, obviously you guys have been like really enjoying doing it and everything. Um, mm -hmm. Do you like, uh, like, I guess, um, do you guys uh, plan to you know keep it going for a long time? Like, are you guys like seeing it like picking up traction within like your friend circles and everything like that? Well, um, we're still kind of like at the beginning aspects of it. Like, we've been doing this for like uh, what like almost two years now. Almost wow. two years, sure. but we've only have like what seventeen episodes at this point, just because of yeah. like we've. We've still we've kind of struggled with balancing the podcast with our lives. So yeah. now we're we've kind of gotten to this point now where we're like we can ha actually commit ourselves to having a schedule rather than being like, "Hey, sorry we've been gone for like 3 months, guys." Yeah. <laughs> like right. And of course so, a lot of it, there's been yeah. a lot of issues with like the network we're a part of just kind of having like like Graham Zima, love the boy to death. Love this boy. He's so wonderful. We love you, Graham. We love you, Graham. <laughs> uh, but, like, there were times when there would be huge gaps because, you know, well, this was... The podcast network was not, like, his full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all... He, we all he was a He was a full-time student. Yeah, we were, we're all full... We were all full-time students. Yeah, well, yeah. So, it wasn't, like... There was... It's nobody's, like, fault no or anything. Yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, it's no, just, like, we couldn't... 
we were just like at a place where we were having a difficult time balancing it. But now right. we've kind of talked about it. We've talked about it with the network and we're more at a place now to be more consistent. And my, I enjoy doing it. Like I love, it's forced me to read books that I haven't read or do um, some homework, some research some homework. and shit. Like yeah. I, I love Even researching. Even read stuff that you never like expect to read. Yeah. yeah like I've always, uh, our, our newest episode that uh, should be dropping pretty soon is about Watchmen. And I've always, I've known about Watchmen, but I never went out sure. of my way to read the comics. And so this podcast has like allowed me, or forced me to like actually go and like do that, and I was and I fucking loved it. So I'm like, this is great. Nice. <laughs> yeah. This is great. I love it. What do, you, uh, what do you What do you have to say about the Zima Podcast Network and why you guys are grateful for it? I would it, say, well, it gave us, it gave me a platform to talk yeah. about stuff that I really enjoy. Right, like yeah. this is this has always been my bread and butter. Like talking about adaptations, what I loved about books, like it's forced me to really read again because <laughs> school kind of killed that for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's been, it's forced me to like read again um, and just be more active in, yeah. in that way. So I'm very grateful for that. Totally. It's grateful. I'm grateful for it because I tried pop my hand at podcasting back in like 2011 and I because I was doing it all by myself, I hated it. Yeah. And then when I heard about Graham's podcast network, and I um, got to meet with him and chat with him a bit, and then he had me on a few of his shows for a while, and it was really amazing. And I just loved the atmosphere of it, and I mm -hmm. loved how I loved how independent it felt. It yeah. felt it yeah. really. It didn't feel like a network, sort of, so to say, as much as it felt like a group of friends just shooting the shit. Totally. Yeah. And I think some of the best podcasts are that, where it feels like you're just with your friends shooting the shit. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, like, the more, like, obviously, like, one of the things that I don't think anybody really realizes about podcasting is that it takes a long time for it to finally catch on. Mm -hmm. like, we've been doing this for two years, and we still are kind of like... Oh. We're, we have... We, yeah, we're kind of like... We're still like tinkering with trying oh, to figure yeah. out a format, what, how best to present information, like what information to present, and like by the end of the day, it's you, it's just like hanging out with one of my best yeah. friends, just shooting this shit about like books that we read or movies. So yeah, it, I hope other people enjoy it. Uh, we haven't gotten any feedback so far from like any listeners. Like I, I know we do have quite a few like we have a few listeners we out have, there we have, a, we have a, a lot like we have i i, I was surprised that we had a following because i'm like i enjoy it but i don't know if anybody right, listens yeah. and when grab like oh no yeah you guys got you guys got a bunch of followers i'm like what <laughs> that's great okay i don't mind like screaming out to the void but <laughs> well i think it, it speaks to just how like a lot of and i've like seen a lot of people like talk about how they want to do a podcast like mm. a lot of people talk about it and they yeah. say they want to do it but getting started is always like sort of the well, who what weans people out with like who's going to actually do it and who's it wins out the week yeah 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 so like you know like i wanted to do it for a long time but it took me a while to like kind of like bring up the courage to like actually get this going and like and I, I definitely like agree that it takes a lot of time yeah. to really feel comfortable and feel like and kind of commit yourself to it. Because like when I first started doing this show, like you know I was doing an episode a week, and like I um, was kind of like I thought it would just be a purely leisurely recreational thing where I just you know 
and I also was a lot more, I wanted to be a lot more serious about it too, mm -hmm. like at first, but now I've like taken time to like, um, serious in the sense where like, um, I, where like I was trying to over plan everything, but, <coughs> but now it's like, I'm having a lot, now it's like a lot more like genuinely leisurely mm -hmm. and yeah. a lot more like I'm. Just I've let it kind of take time to to like reach out to different people and and for people to notice it and I'm not gonna force that to happen. I'm just yeah. gonna wait for it based on the output and you know mm -hmm. everything that goes into doing it. So now I'm doing a lot more episodes and but like um, adding like the visual component to the show like I like I mean it, it adds like another layer of of like how it can reach people, but it also like adds more challenges too, because mm -hmm. people can see you like, you know, fidgeting. People yeah. can see you like, you know, being a human. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and, um, and that also makes me think a lot about how I can like constantly be reinventing it mm -hmm. and like adding new things to it or making it better. Mm -hmm. Like I still have to like color code it at some point. <laughs> I was saying to you earlier, yeah. but um, I haven't gotten there yet, and it, it'll be a little while before yeah. I can like be like, okay, I think I'm ready to make this change now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you guys like kind of changed things over time, or is it being pretty consistent? It started off with us kind of just shooting the shit the entire time. We didn't really have like a time limit, whereas now we're trying to keep it under reasonable like, <laughs> under like an hour. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, there were times when we would um, go for at least an hour and a half, and it was like we had two-hour yeah. episodes, and it was just us. <laughs> Ranting. The entire... <laughs> was it the uh, was which it? which one was? I think it probably was the, the extraordinary gentleman. That one because that was the one I was furious. <laughs> yeah, I it was, it was funny. We each have episodes where one of us rants. Yeah. <laughs> like... League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like I loved it as a child. It was one of my favorite movies as a child. Then when I read the comic, and then went back and rewatched the movie like 15 years later, I realized. Oh this my god, shit. this is horseshit. <laughs> but I still love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we there was less of that. There was a lot of um uh, I had some issues because of my heavy breathing, so like there were episodes where you would just hear <sighs> Yeah, right. Yeah. And I like there were that was a common criticism. <laughs> yeah. Um but And we've tried to like narrow down like instead of just rambling on about just like random yeah. production stuff. We're trying to keep that a little bit shorter just so we can just really have just a discussion. Right. Yeah. I think that's where we're trying to like lead it to or find a happy medium is more like us like actually just discussing what we love about the book, like what's great about it, uh, what works. And again, what kind of we talked about earlier was just like what works as an adaptation yeah. and it doesn't fall into that. And like, at least have like a conclusion or because right. I feel like there were times where we we're like wait did we like it yeah we did yeah. <laughs> okay we should probably wrap this up bye right. yeah yeah <laughs> so we're trying to like have more of a conclusion rather than yeah, rambling right. well I always think about how like how the audience is going to like relate to what we're talking about like because mm -hmm. like I like I've definitely um like I've tried to sort of cut down on like the rambling and the tantrums and stuff like that, which is part of a sh doing a show. It's yeah. gonna happen, and yeah. sometimes it can be really fun, and it can yeah. also just add more like color to it. But um, 
But when it gets like excessive or like constant and you, you can't focus on just one point because we're constantly like our minds are going all over the place. Yeah. Which um, I know that like a lot of us, a lot, a lot of our generation is constantly like, you know, going all over the place and, mm -hmm. tr and trying to like, like say what we need to say. But, um, but yeah, like I, I try to like sort of condense it to like you know if we're gonna ramble at least let's make it interesting let's make yeah. it so like people are gonna laugh about it or be like oh my god me too yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. fair yeah yeah so and we're trying to be a little bit more personable rather than just like jump right into it and be like hey we're like we're humans that are trying <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, i think like a lot of podcasts that i listen to i noticed that um the the hosts they always they always kind of give a little more in, in in depth about their lives and where they are they are at the time, and I thought that was kind of a, a nice touch. And I said to Selena, "Let's give that a shot." Yeah, so yeah. The last few episodes, we've been kind of getting into that, kind of talking about our personal lives, yeah. and what's going on, and because yeah. like we have shit behind the behind the show, yeah. you know, and mm -hmm. I think that that helps viewers relate to the content more because mm -hmm. they're like, "Oh shit!" Like you know they. They're going through this, like you know, that makes their that makes their show make more sense in yeah. some strange way. Yeah, yeah. I think we're we're very much still in like an age of exploration, like for our show, and uh, just trying to see what works, what we like, uh, and trying to figure out ways of like engaging people. Mm -hmm. um, so we're we're like trying to also cater like the books that we talk about to kind of fit with them with the month because we're trying to do like about mm -hmm. two episodes a month that way it just gives us time to read because yeah. yeah. one thing I, I, at first when i came into this i was like oh yeah we'll be able to talk about books like super fast but like <coughs> we kind of are starting to run out of the books that we already read and watched so it's like oh we need to give ourselves time to actually like read <laughs> and like a lot of times like with me it's kind of it's hard to actually read a book so I will most listen to audiobooks, mm -hmm. and those, well, they save my life because I can just pop in my head when I'm at work. So, and because of that, you know, we were, I'm able to like listen to a lot more than I'm used to. So. Yeah, totally. All right, guys, look at that. <laughs> All right, uh, Selena, Mac, uh, Mac, we'll start with you. What keeps you up at night, Mac? Uh, existential dread. Ditto. Um, Selena, what keeps you up tonight? Anxiety. <laughs> yeah. I'm riddled with it. That's an existential dread combined with anxiety. It's nightmare <coughs> nightmarish. Yeah. Um, Mac, what puts you to sleep? The no the the thought that someone out there loves me. Oh. We love you, Mac. <laughs> you. Um, Selena, what puts you to sleep? Um. Literally, it's uh, if I listen to the Pandora Comedy Station. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I don't know why. Like I, I love it. Just That'll knock you out. <laughs> really oh, oh, we're being, we're being like, we're being serious. Okay, in that case, lo-fi music, hip-hop beats to study to. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. That's what I'm sleep. Oh yeah, solid stuff. Um, thanks for being on the show. It's a lot of fun. Thank you for being on the show. Watch Time to Adapt, or I should say, listen to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can find it on Zima Podcasting Network. Apple Podcasts. Apple, Apple Podcasts, Podcast. the Anchor app, um, everywhere where I put my show too. So um, thank you for watching Mr. Nice Guy, and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>